0: Let us pray. Lord, at this time we center our hearts on what your spirit has to say to us this morning. We focus our attention on your word as it is read and we ask that as these words are spoken, that as they are read, they will become more than just ink on paper, that they will become for us The gospel message, your good news, delivering victory for us. Lord, we ask that you bless this time that we have now in your presence. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. There are a lot of uh, places, locations that uh, become famous for one thing in particular. When you say the names of those places, uh, one specific thing may, may pop into your mind. If I were to start talking about Hershey, Pennsylvania unless you were from Hershey, Pennsylvania and you had a whole lot of other memories and things associated with it, what would most of you think about? You, yeah, you think about chocolate. That's what I think about. Uh, when uh, Claire started getting into this TV show called Fixer Upper that comes on HGTV, uh, she, she saw that one of the, uh, the hosts, Joanna Gaines, uh, she, she has these shirts that say Waco because they're from Waco, Texas. And Claire wanted to get one of those shirts. And, uh, and for me, the, the association with Waco, Texas was David Koresh. And so I said, why, why would you want to wear a T-shirt that says Waco? But uh, apparently that's, that association isn't quite as strong as I thought because she got the shirt and she wore it. We went off on a clergy retreat and everybody was like, oh, yeah, I love that show, Fix her Upper. So apparently that, that town now has a new association and, and probably a much better one. Um, but it's the same way with Jericho. Jesus, uh, this, this story with Zacchaeus and uh, Jesus takes place in Jericho, and when we hear of the town Jericho, there's something very specific that usually springs to mind if you're familiar with, uh, with many Bible stories at all, especially if you're familiar with the Old Testament, and that is Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. Now this was after Moses. Uh, the, the children of Israel had been delivered from Egypt. Uh, they had been in the wilderness, and now they were moving closer to the promised land. and uh, and, and Joshua was, was was leading the army, and uh, and Joshua had had sort of stepped into Moses' role. He was now uh, God's man. He was leading the Israelites, and um, and they came upon this city, Jericho, that was. Um, Protected, it was fortified by these high walls all the way around it. Nobody came in Jericho, nobody went out of Jericho. They were surrounded by these walls. And, uh, of course, the Israelites uh, were thinking, what are we going to do? There's no way we can go in, we can take over this place. We have to pass through it, but we can't. And, uh, and so God gave Joshua these strange orders. He said, for six days, take your army and just march one lap around the walls. And, and take with you the seven priests. And on the seventh day, march around it with your army seven times. And then after the seventh lap, have your priests blow on their trumpets. And have the army shout. This seemed like a strange plan of attack. But that's all God told Joshua to do. Now, if, if you're familiar with the way the people of Israel were behaving and reacting and reacting to, uh, to things during that time, you'd know that they probably, um, they probably would have scoffed at this. I mean, there's nothing in Scripture that says they scoffed at these instructions, but just by their very nature, you, you can almost hear them think, how are we going to defeat Jericho this way? And if you're Joshua, at least if I was Joshua... I probably would have tended to say, God, you know, this, I, I trust you, I know you're in control, but these people in Israel, they're really going to laugh at me if I go back and say that this is our plan, just to march around and then start screaming. But the Bible doesn't say that Joshua did any such thing. Instead, Joshua recognized God as the commander-in-chief, and Joshua received his marching orders. They were literally marching orders. Joshua received them with obedience and with joy. And he went back and he got the army and they marched for six days, one lap, around the city. And on the seventh day they marched seven laps and then they blew their horns and they shouted and the walls crumbled down. Now why did the walls crumble down? We don't exactly know. Maybe there were already cracks in the foundation. Or maybe the marching for those six days had put cracks in the foundation. And maybe the, the seventh day and the shouting just, just really brought out those cracks and everything came tumbling down. But God was preparing something. He had been preparing it for a long time. And then in the seven days, he was, he was preparing the army to go in and to take over Jericho. And when they did what he said, when they were obedient, when they received this message and these instructions with joy, then the walls came down and they were victorious. So as a result, Jericho became synonymous with this story. Jericho became synonymous with faith. It became synonymous with the unexpected. And it became synonymous with victory. And that brings us to this New Testament story of Zacchaeus. You see, God uh, has a great sense of humor. He has a great sense of irony. You can see that throughout the scriptures when He foreshadows things or when, he, uh, or when something happens that almost kind of harkens back to another event in history. You can see how, how God uses the sense of irony to bring it all together and let you know that He's been in control all along. We've talked before about how in, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is, is a prophet. He appears more as a prophet than in the other Gospels. And this is not just a prophet in the sense that he tells things that will happen in the future, but that he's also pointing back to things that have happened in the past. He's also showing how he is fulfilling the things from the Old Testament. And this story is in the Gospel of Luke, and once again we see Jesus fulfilling something that is foreshadowed by an event in the Old Testament as he comes through Jericho, a place that is synonymous with victory and a place that is synonymous for these walls coming down. And Jesus comes to Jericho, and how does this story of Zacchaeus point back to Joshua? What do they have to do with each other? Well, Zacchaeus had his own walls that needed to come down. Zacchaeus was part of a system that was fortified and structured in a way that that nothing could penetrate it. Zacchaeus was a tax collector who was acting on the behalf of the Roman government to tax the, uh, the, the people of Israel, his own people, and he was also skimming off the top. So he was despised really by everybody. His own people thought of him as a betrayer. And the Roman government, although they were making him very wealthy, and they were giving him the the power to be in this position, they didn't really have respect for him either because they realized that he was taking advantage of his own people. But Zacchaeus was in a position, he was part of a system that was set up uh, where he was going to be wealthy. And nothing could penetrate that. No, No knowledge of right and wrong, no code of ethics, No uh, family bloodlines, no relationships, nothing was getting through. He was taking advantage of his own people as he was collecting taxes for Rome. He was part of a system that was so structured and so organized, and it was only strengthened by his own greed. And just as the walls of Jericho had catapults and they had watchmen, they had guards on top of it who were armed with spears and and bows and arrows and whatever other weapons they may have had at the time, uh, the walls of Zacchaeus were armed as well. He had guards on top of his walls. Those guards were wealth, power, and pride. You see, because of his position, because of what he was doing, he was able to become very wealthy, but he was also, he knew he was in a position of power. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And we talk about the Napoleon complex, how people who sometimes are, feel very short uh, I feel like they have something to make up for it and, and Napoleon Bonaparte was, was known for that he was very short so he wanted to conquer the world to sort of make up for that, that shortcoming that, that he felt about himself Zacchaeus was a wee little man who was also despised by his own people so if he had a chance to have any power he was going to take it, he was going to grab it he was going to hold on to it that was his source of pride And that pride acted as a guard along his wall. Nothing was going to penetrate that wall of wealth. And his pride was going to make sure of that. But Zacchaeus came to see Jesus. Why? We don't know. But maybe there were cracks in that foundation. Maybe God had already been working on his heart. We talk about that in the church. We talk about it as providential grace. When God goes before, when he starts moving on us, long before we even recognize it, to get us to a place where we can receive him. Something was happening in Zacchaeus' life that made him want to see Jesus. And it wasn't just a passing curiosity, let me see this, what this Jesus guy is all about, because it says he went before the crowd. He knew he was small. He wasn't going to see Jesus if, if he would got there when everybody else did. So he went ahead of the crowd and climbed a tree. Something was going on with him. He really wanted to see Jesus. God was already working on him. He was already placing cracks in the foundations of those walls. And then Jesus sees him, and Jesus calls him down. As Hannah Claire said, Jesus said, let's go have a tea party. I had to comfort her after she walked out. She was embarrassed. She got embarrassed by that. But Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house. Did Jesus give Zacchaeus hell? No. He gave him hope. And a lot of times I think that, uh, that we're guilty of giving people hell when we think, well, th- that's just a despicable person who's out of the will of God. They're, they're just a, there's no hope for them. They're, they're a lost cause. And so we, we really give it to them. We really give them hell. And that's what the crowd was doing here. The crowd thought of Zacchaeus as just this despicable person who betrays his own people. He skims money off the top. He works for the Roman government. He's, he's, he's turned his back on us. He's a despicable, uh, despisable person. And they couldn't stand him. And when Jesus said, I'm going to your house, when Jesus was offering hope, they gave him hell. They said, why? Why would you want to go eat with this person, this deplorable person? But Jesus didn't give Zacchaeus hell. He gave him hope. Something Zacchaeus probably hadn't had much of. Probably something that hadn't been offered to him that much. And what did Zacchaeus do? In verse 6 it says, he received it with joy. When we are offered joy... When we're in a hopeless situation, when we feel we're swallowed up by the crowds, by anger, when we feel that we have walls built up around us, that there are things in our life that will never fall down, when we feel hopeless, Jesus offers us hope. And when he did that for Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus received it with joy. And then what happened? He was a changed man. Instantly. It says Zacchaeus received him with joy. And then immediately Zacchaeus starts saying half of my possessions I'm going to give to the poor. And anyone I've defrauded I'm going to pay it back uh, uh, over and over again. Zacchaeus was a changed person the instant he received Jesus with joy. And then in verse 9 and 10 Jesus says you're victorious. He says salvation has come to your house. Because you have received my words of hope. With joy, And at that moment, Zacchaeus' walls fell down. The walls came down because he received the words of Christ completely, and he received them joyfully. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is what walls do we have? What are the things that are built up in our life so much so that we feel like we will never overcome them? Are we trying to climb those walls? Because if we are, we will never climb them. We can't climb them. You know why? Because that requires pride. That requires us to dig in our heels. That requires us to do it ourselves. Sheer determination and willpower. We can't overcome our walls that way. We overcome them by joyfully receiving the hope that Christ offers us. It's joy that saves us, not sheer willpower, determination, and grit. The song says, joy to the world, the Lord has come. It doesn't say, more determination to the world, the Lord has come. Or better resolve to the world, the Lord has come. It says, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Because the Lord has come into the world to give us freedom. To give us hope. And when we recognize that, when we realize that, when we receive it with joy, we realize that we don't have to scale any walls. He will knock them down for us. He has been putting cracks in those foundations for a long time. And when we receive him completely and joyfully, those walls will crumble. One of my favorite uh, writers and preachers uh, is Richard J. Foster. He says, joy not grit, is the hallmark of holy obedience. We need to be lighthearted in what we do to avoid taking ourselves too seriously, for it is a cheerful revolt against self and pride. Remember I said that the guards that stood along Zacchaeus's wall were what? Pride, power, wealth, self. Those were the things that would not allow those walls to crumble down. So if we think that we're going to overcome something in our life with pride and with power and self-determination and self-will, we can't. We can't overcome them because those things, our power, our pride, our self-will, all of those self-centered things are what allows those walls to be there in the first place. And we can't climb them on our own. The only thing that can defeat those walls is if we surrender ourselves ourselves our power, our pride. And we replace it with joy. Now I talked about uh, God's sense of irony. The most ironic thing about this whole passage, other than it happening in Jericho for me, is Zacchaeus' name means pure. Before this encounter with Jesus, Zacchaeus was anything but pure. He was a despised person. He was a scoundrel. He cheated people, but his name meant pure. Why do you think that is? I think it's because God knew what kind of person Zacchaeus was capable of becoming. God knew what kind of person Zacchaeus could be once those walls crumbled down. Once Zacchaeus received those words of hope with joy, Zacchaeus became a pure person. Now, it doesn't matter what your personal struggle may be. It doesn't matter how swallowed up you may feel. There is no way you could feel more swallowed up than Zacchaeus felt. Zacchaeus was a tiny man swallowed up by a large crowd, and a large crowd that despised him, no less. He was a slave to a system that he worked for and it was a system that made him very wealthy made him feel very important and in the midst of all of that somehow Jesus broke through and Zacchaeus received him with joy Christ gave him victory what do you need victory from what do we need victory from what has what has got you feeling today like you are swallowed up? Something that you may never overcome. You feel like. Don't underestimate the power and the victory that God can give you when you receive His hope, when you receive His words with joy. We all have battles. We all have walls. We all have things that that need to come down in our lives. But they will never come down if we think that all we have to do is climb them. No. What we need to realize is that there are probably already cracks in them. And God is just waiting on our joyful obedience. Our joyful reception of his life, his promise, and his words. And those walls will come crumbling down. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that although there are many times where we deserve hell, you don't just give us hell with your words, you give us hope. You give us hope through your son Jesus. You give us life by telling us that you have the power to defeat the forces of evil. You have the power to defeat our temptations. You have the power to defeat our strongholds and crumble down our walls. And there's nothing we can do to dig in our heels and, and climb those walls ourselves. All we can do is joyfully receive you, knowing that in the moment we do, we become free. We become pure. For you alone have the power to make those walls crumble. Lord, we ask, you, we ask that you make us pure in heart. We ask that you make us obedient. And that you help us day by day to surrender our pride to surrender our power, to surrender ourselves to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 370, Victory in Jesus. If you've made a decision of any type today, I encourage you and invite you to come forward as we sing. Please stand if you are able. Hymn number 370.